Good morning, my friends. What a wonderful day. This is the day that the Lord has made. You say, Pastor, we're in three weeks now of lockdown, but this is still the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. God has given us another day of life. God's hand has been upon us. He gave sleep to his beloved last night. So let's, let's just rejoice in this day. He's good and his mercy endures forever. Now, forgive me, I'm a little distracted this morning. My phone's been blowing up since the time I got up a little after four with preachers being arrested in different parts of the world because they defied government orders on quarantine and how far people should sit apart and packing church auditoriums. And, you know, my friends, it's just sad. I mean, you know me, I want church. I mean, you know me, I want church. And you know me, I believe in, you know what, if the government outlawed the preaching of the gospel, I would go to jail because I'd stand up on the first street corner and preach it. You know me. But at the same time, we did services as long as the government said that we could do services. And then we just moved to this format. You know, when, as long as we could do services, we did the social distancing. And I got a call from Africa last night and they they watched our services and then they started doing that in their services and, you know, having everybody measure everything and get everybody sitting in different areas. But then they too, the government said no more, so they've gone to this format. We don't need to. I sometimes wonder if some of these preachers are more interested in money, more interested in sensationalism and politics and making a statement than in the gospel. My friends, let's let's try to be submissive to the government. Let's let's let God let our hearts be soft and submissive. If the government asks us to, to quarantine ourselves right now because they're trying to do what's good for the country, let, let's try to do this. Let's not try to get into some grand conspiracy about everything. I mean, you can read anything on the Internet these days. Beloved, let's just, let's just get through this thing in Jesus' name. This is going to pass. This is not a permanent, long-term thing. This is like, as my uncle used to say, there are things in life that pass, and there are things in life that pass more difficulty. It's like constipation, you know, but it's going to pass. This is going to pass. Let's just get through this thing and oh, be happy in Jesus' name. Father, I lift you all of our people, every believer all across the world. Give us an understanding of how to live in these times. Like the men of Issachar of old, let us understand our times and know therefore what the people of God should do. Father, give us wisdom. Let there not be a stubbornness in our heart that's going to break us. But give us wisdom, Father, in Jesus' name. Give us wisdom. Lord, let this thing pass quickly. People are beginning to be frustrated, Lord. It's beginning to be a little wearisome. Father, help all of the hearts find their place of rest in faith. Find their place of rest in Christ. Jesus, you are our peace. Father, you are the stability of our times. Let us center our lives in you. Let us focus our lives in you. and Let there just be a calmness and a rest within our hearts that comes from your presence and that comes from being with you. And in spite of all the mogulo that goes on all around us and all the other people that are losing their cool, Father, let us just be a people of peace and rest. Father, let your hand be upon every household today. Let sickness and disease be far from every home in Jesus' name. Let every one of our frontliners and every member of the family that has to go out to buy food 
Father, they say so many people are getting this thing in the grocery stores now. Lord, in Jesus' name, you said that you would give your angels card concerning us to guard us in our way. Lord, as they go on their way, not being foolish, Lord, but just to buy food for the family and to serve others. Father, guard them. Let the angels of God keep every bit of this thing from their lives. And Father, let this thing pass quickly. Let this wave of virus pass over our nation quickly and be gone. Father, let your healing rise up in Jesus' name. Father, let us begin to hear the testimonies of people that you have reached out and touched. Family members, Lord, that aren't saved, that we went in and prayed for, and the virus just left them in the name of Jesus. Father, let this be a time when Jesus is glorified. Let this be a time when people don't look to you and say that you caused this. This is, this is not a natural disaster. This is not an act of God. This is an act of the devil. Let people see that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Fathers, we, the people of God, gather together. You listen to our words and you hear us. And Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would just... Glory to God. Say hello to everybody, Claude. I'm in the middle hello, of our morning devotions. <laughs> I didn't know you were on air, but hello, everybody. God bless you. God let, bless me, you. let me finish praying. <laughs> All right, bless you now. Bye. <laughs> Welcome to live television. Am I all red? Um, <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't turn it off with my eyes closed, so it turned itself on. Father, we just come back in our hearts to you. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, let your hand be upon every life. Let this be a time when people see how good you are. And Father, let this be a time when the people of God gather together who know you. And we speak well of you. And Lord, you listen and you take note. Like you said in your word, Lord, you, you make a book in heaven as we gather together and we speak well of you. Father, let our hearts just be full of your goodness and your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship.
Well, thank you for your understanding this morning. My daughter will be having a good laugh at me today because she says, Dad, it's not enough to turn your phone on silent. So, okay, during the, during the time of worship, I stopped for a second and turned off notifications on FaceTime because my phone's going to be going crazy all morning. Now, part of this is we're part of a large group of wonderful pastors around the world, and we help each other in these times. We talk about what's going on. We talk about different things that they've done and that we're doing. And, you know, none of us have ever walked this way before. So we're grateful for friends that call us, and we're grateful for friends that participate in our lives I just need to turn off the notifications on FaceTime. <laughs> All right, let's get into Psalms chapter 91 today. Am I thoroughly read and embarrassed? I imagine so. Psalms 91, beginning with verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord. Now, you hear that? Doesn't matter what's going on around us. I will say to the Lord. Does, doesn't matter how mogulo it is. I will say to the Lord my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. Oh, beloved, what, what a promise. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. He won't allow it. No plague come near your tent. He won't allow it. Now, I know everybody thinks that this coronavirus is the most powerful force unleashed on Earth. 3.7 billion people are locked down in their homes under, under home quarantine. But um, he's more powerful. He will not allow it to come near your home. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adler. In other words, you're going to walk around on this stuff. It's going to be on the ground. It's going to be in the grocery store. I mean, forgive me, it's going to be there. You will tread upon the lion and the adler. You'll, you'll walk on these deadly things. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. That's the promise of your God. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, I started on this yesterday and people picked up on it a little bit. Let me emphasize it more. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. You see, Christianity is not like anything you have ever seen in your life. A person who's been born again for 15 seconds has the same promises of an old faithful saint who has lived for God for 70 years. I mean, this is God. This is God. This is the beautiful truth of the parable that everybody receives the same thing. doesn't matter what 
time of the day the, the laborer went into the field, they all got paid the same at the end. It's the same truth. God does not increase his promises because of our spirituality. You might be a baby Christian today and you think, well, you know, I just came to know Jesus. Would Jesus do this for me? Yeah, just because you love him. <laughs> oh, we have a God that's like nobody we've ever met in our lives. He is more wonderful than you and I can ever begin to comprehend. Some of you are baby Christians today and you say, well, I don't have the faith of, of, of Nanai. I don't have the faith of Lola. But you have the same God and you have the same promises just because you love him. Just because you love him has nothing to do with your anointing or your spirituality or your experiential holiness and sanctification. It has to do because you've entered into a relationship with him. And his promises are the same for everybody. Oh, beloved, what a wonderful God. Father, I pray right now. There are so many that are a little weak in their faith right now, Lord. And they're a little weak in their faith because they've lived under this illusion that, you know, they have to do something before promises can be available for them. They're so used to the meritocracy of this society. But Lord, we don't have a meritocracy with you. <laughs> we have a love relationship with you. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, lift the heads. Lift the heads of all the young believers. Lift the heads of all those that have been a little weak in their faith. Oh, Father, let them know how wonderful you are. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Make, make your wonderfulness, make your faithfulness shown to them, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, he's a good God. Well, let's start reading today. We're doing things a little differently today because I got interrupted and embarrassed, all right? Uh, Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Luke 11, beginning with verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, forgive me. The truth just screams out of that verse, and everybody ignores it. They asked someone to teach them to pray, who they saw praying. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples came and said to him, they didn't interrupt his prayer time, but when he was finished, they saw how he prayed, and they said, Lord, we want to pray like this. Lord, would you teach us to pray? Now, I was so blessed in my life because I had my grandpa. My grandpa loved to pray. Now, he, he could pray publicly, and, and he and I were always a little different on that. Me, I'm, I'm not much on praying publicly, because for me, prayer is all about opening my heart to God. Just everything, the softness all come out. But Grandpa, Grandpa could pray for hours. And, you know, don't, don't ask him to pray over food at Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner when the family gathers together for a reunion, because... You know, Grandpa might pray for 20 minutes. Grandpa could just get lost in prayer. And he wasn't trying to be religious. Grandpa would just get get lost in prayer. You know, sometimes my mom and I, <laughs> we'd be sneaking food while, while, while Grandpa was still praying. We'd look at each other and chuckle. Grandpa loved to pray. He loved to be with the Father. It was his 
you know, you've heard the story, would a preacher still pray if he wasn't a preacher? Well, when Grandpa was finally completely retired, he would still sit and pray for an hour, hour and a half, two hours a day, sitting down in his chair and leaning back and just, just praying and seeking God. These are the kind of people you want to teach you to pray. You don't want what I call a prayer consultant. You know what a consultant is, somebody who just goes around and studies what everybody else does and then teaches you. You don't want a prayer consultant. You want someone who's really done it. You want somebody who really knows how to pray because they're real in prayer. So while Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As Jesus taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, now, these are the things you talk about to God. See, that's the thing. We don't know. What am I supposed to say? I mean, please, you're, you're talking to the air. You know, and we're not supposed to imagine an idol in our mind or a graven image in our mind. That, that was wrong. So we're just talking. And in our intellect, we know he's listening. But, you know, if anybody was around us, they'd think that we're crazy. See, prayer in the Bible. I don't find it silent prayer in the Bible. You know, when I try to pray silently, I fall asleep. And so do you. But in the Bible, prayer was out loud, just like worship was out loud. There's something very verbal about prayer. Go through the Bible and see. There's no silent prayer. It's all very vocal and very verbal. He said, when you pray, say. These are the things you're to say in prayer. Father, how do you address God? Yo, boss. No. Father. That shows our relationship. Hallowed be thy name. We honor who you are. The name of God refers to who he is, his character, his nature. We've been studying that every night in the service. So we, 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 we honor him and we worship him for his character, for his nature, not just his power. Your kingdom come, the authority of God. Now there's the power, but, but first we honor him for who he is. When you come to God in prayer, oh, Father, I thank you that you're good. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you for your great love. I thank you for your kindness, for your faithfulness that you're abounding in. You just begin to go through all of the character traits of God, all of his personality. And you, you say those things to him. Hallowed, I honor your kindness. I honor your graciousness. I honor your mercy. Your kingdom come. Now, kingdom here doesn't refer to a geographical kingdom like England with a, with a monarch, like the queen in place. It refers to the authority of God in a given time and place. God, your authority come. Lord, I want to see your authority on this earth. We recognize Satan as the God of this world. Lord, I want your authority. I'm praying for the millennium. I'm praying for your authority in this earth. Give us each day our daily bread. Now notice, this is the bread, daily bread is food given in advance to a soldier. The day in advance, sometimes two days in advance, a soldier would receive these big loaves of bread, they'd stick it in their pack because you don't have time as you're preparing for a battle to feed everybody. All right, everybody, it, it's dinner time, take a break. No, they had their food with them. So give us each day our daily bread. Every day, give us the bread that we need in advance. Every day, provide for us what we need for tomorrow. That way we never live in need. Ah, so we are to pray for a life where there is no need. 
where everything is always provided in advance, but we don't spend it, we save it for the needs. And forgive us our sins every day. Every day we pray for forgiveness. John said, if we say we have no sin, then the truth of God is not in us, and we make God out to be a liar. Now notice the we and the us. John included himself in that. You know, we don't have to sin, but as Christians, please forgive me, we still screw up, we still blow it. And then there are the hidden sins of the heart that we don't even realize yet. And to be blunt, if we knew all the things that still have to change in our life, if God showed us all the stuff that has to be fixed in our life, we might just give up and get discouraged. But he doesn't. Day by day, he perfects the good work he began within us. So every single day of our life, we pray, Father, forgive us our sins. See, I'm not one of these Christians that's going to go around and teach you that as Christians, we never sin. I think that's a bunch of hooey. Every day, I pray in my devotions, Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins in Jesus' name. As we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted or sins against us. You have no right to withhold forgiveness from people. If people come to you and ask forgiveness, you have no right to turn your back. You have no right to make it difficult. Every day in your devotions, you report to God. See, prayer is part accountability. Every day we come to God in accountability. I don't know how much Old Testament we're going to get into today because this is this is amazing stuff. Every day we come to God and in accountability tell him that we've forgiven everybody who's asked us forgiveness. If anyone comes to you and says, Father, or comes to us and says, would you please... Well, I turned that one off, but I didn't turn all the others off. I'm sorry. I warned you, my phone is going to be a little crazy today. Every one of us has to come to the Father and say, Lord, these people sinned against me. These people came to me and asked me for forgiveness. And Father, I forgave them. Every day we report to God. First of all, we ask God for forgiveness. And every day we are accountable to God that we have forgiven those who have asked our forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation. Now, here's an important thing every day to say in prayer. You see, I'm convinced that many of the temptations that come into our life are needless, and they never had to happen. But Christians don't pray about it. And lead us not into temptation. Father, can you lead me in a way that I just won't be tempted? Not, not in those areas. Now, you have to understand, God can do that. God can just kind of guide you. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. God can just guide you in a way that day so that there are things that you just don't see, that there are things that you just don't hear, that there are things that you just, they never present themselves to your life because those things would be temptation. So every day of your life, Father, lead me not into temptation. Lord, there's things that you know that I'm struggling with right now in my life. Lead me in a way that these things never come into my life right now. Now, now some of you, forgive me, there's something really good coming out of all this home quarantine because you haven't been able to leave the house. And some of you men, you're getting free. You're getting free from some stuff because you're just not around it. See, whatever you feed grows and whatever you don't feed dies. For, for lust to grow and for sin to grow in our life, it takes that constant feeding of that temptation, that constant pressure of that temptation. But right now, you're not seeing any of that. And these things are just falling off of your life, just like dead scales falling off of you. And lead us not into temptation. 
This is a prayer that you need to pray every day of your life. Lead us not into temptation. It amazes me the things that you just don't see when you pray like that. It amazes me the things you just don't hear when you pray like that. These are things we have to say in prayer every day in our devotions. And he said to them, and he's teaching them more about prayer. And he said to them, who has a friend who will go with him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Now, please remember, these are small homes. When people went to bed in Jesus's day, the chickens came inside, the goats came inside. I mean, the little family animals, they all came inside. And everything calmed down and the kids quieted down and everybody slept in one bed in a raised area of the room. Now, once everybody's calmed down, you don't want anybody banging on the door, waking up the chickens and waking up the, the goats and, get, and waking up the kids. And then it takes an hour and a half or two hours to get everybody settled down again. So th this is the picture that Jesus is presenting to us. He won't get up. He said, friend, leave me alone. The door's shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you that though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, there comes a limit to friendship. <laughs> we don't like to think about that, but there come some limits to what a friend will do. And, and sometimes we don't understand that. There are things that Jesus said, you know what? A friend's just not going to do it, even though they're your friend. Yet because of his imprudence, now that Greek word there, I like how the New Living Translation translates it, because of his shameless persistence. In other words, he just keeps beating on the door. And you know what? The, the chickens are awake and the goats are awake and the sheep are awake and the kids are crying. Because of his shameless persistence, he will rise and give him Whatever he needs, just leave me alone. Let me get the kids back to sleep. And Jesus said, now let me tell you what this means. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, not, not if you're qualified. Everything you ask in Jesus' name, Jesus said, you will receive. And everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, let me just break these down piece by piece. Ask, that's prayer. And I like what it says in the Greek, keep on asking, keep on receiving. Like Brother John's been teaching you about not stopping asking. Early this morning, Brother John called me on FaceTime and was walking me through like 10 different points of a book he's starting to write right now on, on what happens if we keep on asking. It's a beautiful, beautiful truth. You keep on asking, you keep on receiving. Seeking, in the Bible, seeking always refers to relationship. We seek his face. We seek his presence. We seek him with all of our heart. He said, you keep on seeking. And he said, you're going to keep on finding now, again, the Greek is in a continuous sense. There are some Christians, they, they, they seek God and they have a wonderful encounter with God. And then, voila, well, you have to keep on seeking and you'll keep on finding. Knocking, those are opportunities. Those are opportunities. Open doors. God has set before you an open door that no man can shut, the book of Revelation. 
These are opportunities. But now notice, in order to see a door open, you have to present yourself in front of that door and knock. You, you can't stand down the street and see an open door. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. You can't stand down the street and have an opportunity open for you. You have to go up and knock on the door. You have to recognize the opportunity, present yourself in front of it, and knock. And he said, if you will keep on knocking on opportunities, these opportunities will continue to open for you. Now, now some of you, and please let me, I don't know how far we're going to get today, but th th there's just such rich teaching right here, and there's just so much that's so applicable to our lives right now. We are locked in our homes. There's not a lot we can do. We can watch Eat Bulaga, and what will I ever do if Eat Bulaga goes off the air? Okay. I've been using it as my illustration for 40 years. You can sit around the house and watch Eat Bulaga, or you can pray. You can keep on asking right now. See, we, we may not be able to do something to see our promotion. We may not be able to do something to build our business. Oh, but yes, we can. We can keep on asking. God, I need more customers. God, I need more clients. Father, I need you to have clients lined up that as soon as these things are open, as soon as I'm able to leave the house, Father, all of this business will be lined up. Father, I need all of this done. And so every day, you can't work with your physical hands, but you can watch the unseen hand of God. This can be one of the most beautiful times of watching God's work for you that you have ever seen in your life. You're just sitting there in the house. You're frustrated because you can't work. Well, sometimes we can't get out of the house to roll away the stone. Sometimes we can't get out of the house to let down the net. Sometimes all we can do is ask because that's all we can do right now. I'd spend a lot of time right now asking, talking to God about things that you, you're asking him to do for customers, for clients, for business. Spend a lot of time for your promotions. I'd spend a lot of time seeking, growing your relationship with Jesus. And I'd spend a lot of time recognizing doors that God has all lined up for you that you just had to walk up and knock on. And as soon as we're able to get out of our homes, you walk up and start knocking on those doors and you realize all the opportunities that God has laid out for you. Ah, oh my goodness, this is good stuff. I'm, oh my goodness, I'm way, I'm, I'm, I'm barely getting started on the New Testament portion, let alone the Old Testament portion today. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Oh, my beloved friends, well, what is it with us and God? Why do we think that God would give us a bad gift? Why do we think that God would give us something that is dangerous, a snake, a scorpion? He said, hey, you with evil in your hearts, you give good things to your children. The heavenly father will give good things to you. And then he specifically says the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I will never understand why people are afraid 
on receiving the Holy Spirit, of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon their life, on an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon their home or the church. I will never understand that. As if it's somehow it's a bad thing, it's a dangerous thing, it's an evil thing. But God gives the Holy Spirit. When there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I have to go ahead, and if I, if I go ahead, I will send the Holy Spirit. When Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit, like on the day of Pentecost, or Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit in a revival night, that, that's not a dangerous thing. It's not a snake. It's not a scorpion. It's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. People singing in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, filled with the joy of the Holy Ghost. These are good things, beloved. These are good things. Some of you today just need to ask and you need to seek and you need to let God pour out the Holy Spirit in your home right now. Oh, just let the river of God, let the Holy Spirit, let the rain of God, whatever analogy you want to use, let the Holy Spirit fall in your home today. Verse 14, we're not getting very far today. Now as he was casting a demon, casting out a demon that was mute. So the effect of this demon was the inability to speak. Now, there are sometimes there are people that are mute because of a physical thing, but there are sometimes people can't speak because of a demon. He was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke because the only thing causing the muteness was, was a spirit. And the people marveled, but some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. <laughs> you know, they couldn't cast out a demon. They couldn't help the guy. So when Jesus helps the guy, they say he only does this by the devil because that justifies their inability to do it because they were acting for God. Now, before you think that that's strange, people still do that today. There are preachers that come along and they've been screaming at demons and massaging them and wrestling with them and nothing's happening. And you come along and just say, in the name of Jesus, leave. And the demon leaves. And then they go around and say, well, you know, he must be close to the devil. Yeah, yeah, he must be close to the devil. See, people don't want to accept the fact of their failure. Ooh, they need to fast and pray more. Because they want to act like they're working for God, and the only reason you were successful is that you were working for the devil. People haven't changed, and this is what they accuse Jesus of. While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. Now, notice, seeking from him a sign from heaven. People were always testing Jesus. And you know what? You're not supposed to put the Lord your God to the test. But they kept testing Jesus. And notice, they used his own words against him. He said, keep on seeking, and you'll keep on finding. So they were, they were following exactly what he said. They turned his own words on him. They were shamelessly persistent <laughs> in their testing of him. They took his own teaching and flipped it on him to test him. But what they were seeking was not a right thing. But he, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and the divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Now, 
Forgive me, but right now Satan's kingdom is standing. He is the God of this world. Now there will come a day that will end. When Jesus returns to this earth, Satan will be taken and cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. His influence completely removed from this earth. Just like God has taken other powerful demons throughout the ages and put them in, in dungeons where they cannot influence people and harm people, one day Satan himself, the king of this demonic kingdom, and he, he does have a kingdom. I mean, he has a throne. Study the book of Revelation. At one point, his throne was there in Pergamum. He has a throne someplace on this earth right now. I don't know where. Satan rules from that city his entire demonic kingdom. And one day, that kingdom will fall. But right now, he is still the god of this world. And as Christians, we are like a, a rebel force in this world, preaching for God's kingdom to come and praying for God's kingdom to come. But I want you to notice that Jesus is very clear. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Satan's kingdom is not divided. Churches are divided. But Satan's kingdom tolerates no division. Have you ever noticed that sin does not tolerate disagreement? Hmm. Have you ever noticed that Satan tolerates no disagreement? Hmm. Now, among Christians, we're very tolerant of other people. But people who promote sin are completely intolerant. It, it, it's so funny. They accuse Christians of being intolerant. We love everybody. We're tolerant of everybody. Because that's God. God loves people. And he's trying to, to bring them into his kingdom. But Satan's kingdom tolerates no disagreement. Everything about the demonic, everything about sin, does not tolerate division, does not tolerate disagreement. For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God, the authority of God, has come upon you. Now, I want you to notice Jesus says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, it doesn't take God's force. It doesn't take God's hand. It doesn't take God's strong right arm. It only takes God's finger to drive a demon out of somebody. <laughs> Every way Jesus speaks shows you the power and the sovereign majesty of God and the weakness of Satan's kingdom. But if I tolerate, but if I cast out demons then the, by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. God's authority is here. What did he teach the disciples to always go around and preach? Teach them that the kingdom of God is at hand. The authority of God is here. In other words, there's a new authority in the earth. And this is one of the great messages of the gospel. That the authority of God is in this earth. That we as this rebel kingdom are going around, and it doesn't take a lot of God's authority to do anything, but the authority of God, just his finger, the authority of God is available to meet your needs, to break the power of sin off of your life, to break Satan's power off of your life, to bring healing to you. He said, listen, the kingdom of God has come upon you. He said, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when a stronger than he attacks and overwhelms him, 
he takes away his arm in which he trusted and divides a spoil. Whoever is with me, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now, there's two hours of preaching in that verse, and I had to be careful with my time this morning because I have not even finished the New Testament yet. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now notice, gathers with me. Now, there's two types of gathering. First of all, to gather does not mean to go into the barn and take somebody else's wheat that has been harvested. Gathering means to go into the harvest field. So let's define gathering. There are churches today that do not go into the harvest field to gather. They do not do evangelism. They go around and round up Christians from other churches, and then they market themselves and get people into their church. Now, that's not gathering with Jesus because Jesus is in the harvest field. The laborers, he said in Matthew 10, were to go into the harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest field, not into the barn of somebody else, into the harvest field. Now, that's where Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, is. If you want to know what Jesus is doing today, he's walking through our nation, this incredible harvest field of souls. This is why we have to get more truck crusades going. We have to get the provincial crusades back up and even increase them. We have to do more for evangelism than we've ever done before. My friends, please, we have to gather with Jesus. Now, he says, those of you that aren't in the harvest field gathering with me, you're just, you know, running around out there stealing from other people's barns. He said, you're scattering. The effect of marketing-driven churches where they build events and they attract Christians from other churches and that's all they do. The whole, the whole fruit of that is scattering. Once people, they, they leave the church where God planted them, and you know what? They never get settled in a church again. I've been your pastor for 40 years. I knew people that were marketed to, they left COP 38 years ago, and they've been through seven or eight churches now in 38 years. They've never been planted again. They're scattered. Ah, now you, you just need to go back and, and, and work on that one in your mind a little bit. Our goal as Christians, so that we do not scatter, is to gather with Jesus. To gather with Jesus means we go into the harvest field where Jesus is working as the Lord of the harvest. And we work with him and the laborers that the Father has sent into the harvest field. And we gather in the harvest field. We have so many pastors that work with us across the country, and we, we go in to do a provincial crusade, and the pastors are right there with us, and we say, listen, our goal is to fill up your churches. We're gathering with Jesus as, as a group of laborers. We're gathering with Jesus to, to fill up all the churches in town. It, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to do. Now Jesus teaches a little bit more about demons. And folks, I'm not even going to try to get to the Old Testament today. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, so demons will leave a person. Now notice, they are in and then they're out. See, demon possession is in. Oppression is from the outside. Now, Christians can be oppressed. Temptation is an oppression, okay? Demon possession, a demon is inside you. Now, a Christian cannot be demon-possessed because the Holy Spirit lives in you. There's a no-vacancy sign in you, all right? When an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, out, it has been in and then it goes out, 
It passes through waterless places seeking rest. Now, there's no rest in a waterless place for a demon. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. Now, the house from which it came refers to the physical body that it inhabited before. One of the things that you learn as you study demons is they seem to like water. For instance, um, the human body is, what, 98%? Somebody can check me on Google or something. The body is this huge, vast majority of water. Demons like a water-filled place. Oftentimes you'll find demonic powers are very close to oceans, rivers, uh, seas, lakes. Demons like water. They inhabit the human body that's mostly water. Now, it passes through the dry, arid places. It doesn't find any rest there. Demons seem to need water for rest. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. Now, notice the demon called it my house. God calls you his temple. A demon will call a person my house. They look at that person as they belong to me. That's my house. Now, that's something you need to get a hold of. They think they have ownership of that house. I will return to my house from which I came. One of the things you always have to learn when you cast a demon out of somebody, that demon will come back because that demon believes they own that house. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. So in other words, we've cleaned up their life. Uh, they're dressed again in their right mind. They're part of society again. Uh, sweeping refers to the removal of loose dirt. So the loose dirt is gone. The, the drinking, the sex, whatever. The, the loose dirt, things that are easily removed from a life, those are gone. And put in order. Everything is back right in the person's life. They're back with their family. They're speaking properly. They're part of society. So it looks at its house and goes, hmm. Somebody painted my house, made my house fixed up pretty good. That's all right. So he said, I'm going to go get some friends for some companionship. Now notice, a demon has gone out, but when it comes back, it doesn't come back alone. It comes back with companions. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. Why? It doesn't want to get cast out again. It wants companions. It wants a force to fight. It goes out and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. So again, they enter, they go in. Demon possession is always in. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Now, what is Jesus showing us? He's showing us that when you cast a demon out of a person, they're empty inside. Now, you can put a little religion on them. You can get them dressed up and looking good. But that's not going to solve anything. What you have to do is get them filled with the Holy Spirit. That happens at salvation. When a person is born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within them. They become the temple of the Holy Spirit. They become the temple of God. So when, when a demon comes back to look at its old house, that house, no long, that house says no vacancy. In fact, that house has a new title. It's not just a house. That house says temple, and in big letters, of God. And the demon goes, yeah, better just keep on moving. Now, you need to understand the truth of this. It is so important when you cast a demon out that you don't just bring these people to church and teach them how to act like a Christian and make them a cultural Christian, that you get them truly born again and into a real growing relationship with Jesus.
because otherwise it's going to be worse. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, if there was ever a verse that would teach you not to worship Mama Mary, it would be this. These people were already starting to venerate the woman that gave birth to Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you don't venerate Mary. No, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, this is just like those verses where the mother of Jesus and his brothers came to get him because they thought he was overworking. And Jesus said, who are my mother? Who are my brothers? It's those of you who do the word of God, who do the will of God. This is the exact same teaching. So he said, now listen, no, no veneration of Mary. Instead, let's recognize blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, we, we didn't get very far today because especially this stuff on prayer, this is so important that you get a hold of because this is a perfect time for you right now to really begin to learn to pray. So let, let me encourage you, just have a room in the house or have a chair that you sit in. Now, in our family, uh, I'm an early person. Sister Bev is a late person. So I'll be up at 3.30 or 4 in the morning, 4 at the latest, about 3.30 this morning. And you get up and you just sit down on my chair and pray. Get out my Bible and read. Usually I read, pray, read, pray, read, pray. I'm, I'm kind of back and forth in that, sing for a while, enjoy myself. You know, I'm sure it'd be very embarrassing for anybody else to see because you know me, my, my singing voice only Jesus enjoys. Well, and my dogs like it too. Sometimes they howl while I'm, I'm singing. But every morning you sit down in a chair and you just open your heart to God. But let that prayer be out loud. Not, not something that you, you, amen. I, I've never, I've never figured out where people got any of that in the Bible. Never figured out where anybody got any of that stuff in the Bible. All the prayers I see is they lifted their voices. So today in your home, lift your voice in prayer. Father, I come in Jesus' name today, and I have a very simple request. Teach us to pray. In this time, Father, where there's not a whole lot of distractions in our life, let this be a complete renovation of our prayer life. Let new habits start in this time, Father. Take this ugly thing going on around it and make it something good for our lives. And one of those beautiful things we ask that you make it into is a renovation of our prayer life, a renovation of our walk with you, that new spiritual habits are developed in every morning we rise to find you. Every morning we rise to find your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. We, we, didn't, we didn't get very far today, but sometimes in my devotions I don't get very far. And then I'll later on in the day finish reading that passage. But what's important is that what we do, we do well.